What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Chaz Pearson, and this is the Outlet Forum Podcast with my esteemed co-host, Chris Camello. What's up, Chris? Mucho calor, Chaz, and I'm not just talking about summer in SoCal, baby. The NBA offseason is still hot as hell. In juego, as they would say. We got to get into some Laker news. We got Laker trades with possibly Indiana, Utah. Is Russ going to be on the team? Is he not? Of course, we're going to talk about that. And we have a special interview with Jovan Buha of The Athletic, who's going to come on and drop a few gems. And of course, we got your social media posts of the week. Plenty of different things that happened this week. I got some funny shit for you guys as well. Ditto. But of course, we got to get into the Woj bomb that was dropped at damn near 3 a.m. local time. The Woj bomb that happened on Monday morning. Woj reported that Kevin Durant trade might happen with Boston. Boston has emerged as a potential suitor for the Kevin Durant sweepstakes. And later on that morning, Sham Sharania of The Athletic as well reported that the deal or the offer from Boston was Jalen Brown, along with Derek White, along with draft compensation. The rebuttal to that by the Nets was, ah, I'm not too good on that. Why don't you go ahead and throw in another rotation player and Marcus Smart, along with that draft compensation. And then we can get to talking. So Boston is now, Chris, the, I don't know if you want to call them the driver in the driver's seat, so to speak, but they're now, they have a seat at the table, along with the Raptors, uh, where Masai Ujiri has now been reported uh, to be talking with the Brooklyn Nets and Sean Marks, as well as the Phoenix Suns, who are possibly out now with trading DeAndre Ayton. And, and of course, you have different teams that are vying for him. But Boston is now a part of the mix. What's your take on, number one, the offer, as well as the rebuttal? And is this something that you can see going down as far as KD being in Boston, playing with Jason Tatum, and how this could go down? Mind you, Jalen Brown later on in the day shaded, tweeted SMH, <laughs> It's being reported that he doesn't want out of Boston. He just obviously doesn't feel great about going to the finals and then being discussed in trade talk 30 to 45 days later. But what's your take on it, Chris? Yeah, so I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head with that. It's the fact that this team just went to the NBA finals with this group. By the way, did we forget who they swept in the first round? It was Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and the Brooklyn Nets. So it's one of those things where it's like, we just beat these guys. Now we're going to bring in Kevin Durant, and we already have a good thing going. We feel like, yes, the East is going to get more competitive next year. Miami, Philly, Milwaukee's going to be healthy. Some other teams might continue to emerge. But at the same point in time, if you have the opportunity to getting a top five player in Kevin Durant, you owe it to yourselves to see that process through. And Boston's been here before. Remember, go back three years ago when they were in the Anthony Davis sweepstakes. What was the holdup? Did they want to give up Jason Tatum? Because that's who New Orleans really wanted. Yeah, we like Jalen Brown. Yeah, we like Marcus Smart. But we would prefer to have Jason Tatum. If if we are giving you an established star, we want the best of your young rotational pieces. So I cannot blame Sean Marks once again, for trying to gouge these teams and want everything but the sun and moon. 
It's like, we want picks. We want the future. We want the now we want, we want it all. So Boston between the contracts, between the talent, between the age of some of that talent, they can put together probably the, 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 the best package. That's, I mean, I think it makes sense for Brooklyn. Now, does it make sense for the Celtics? Yes. And no. Yes. Because Duran and, and Tatum would form an explosive front court. However, you, you also got two guys. Let me just say this who kind of do the same things. And that's the thing. So you basically have two guys playing the same position that have a very skill, similar skill set. And by losing smart, you're losing playmaking, you're losing defense. Same thing with Jalen Brown, you're losing defense. I, I, I heard that they may, they also inquired about Robert Williams, the third. So you're losing a really talented young big man, not to mention the pick. Yeah. And, and so it's, you don't have a ton of depth there, right? The Celtics. They've used a lot of their draft picks over the years. Uh, a lot of these guys are, eh, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of whatever for, for the Celtics. So it's one of those things where we have to get this right, where not only do we get Durant, we have to maybe see if Sean Marks is willing to throw in a rotational piece so that we could kind of round out and not lose too much depth in the process, but it's definitely a, a smoky deal. And I think Boston, I disagree with you. I think Boston is in that driver's seat right now. Okay. Okay. I'm not, I don't hate that. And I actually, I'm going to call myself out because at what, I don't know what it was. Uh, For real? Three in the morning, local time or whatever it was. It was late at night. It was hey, after, after midnight. Money never sleeps. Neither, neither do the Woj and, and I, and I, and I, and I appreciate Woj, you know, I appreciate <laughs> his veracity and his reporting and, um, you know, it's given us something to talk about and something, you know, to really ponder over because the NBA season and off season doesn't sleep, especially now in the, uh, you know, in 2022, but I'm going to call myself out. I call this as a leverage play. And in the 36 hours after that Woj bomb has dropped, it is not a leverage play. It's something that's very, very real based on further reports that came out from, you know, Shams as well. Um, Mark Steins talked about it on a uh, he did a Spotify live with Keith Smith and there was a bunch of information that we'll get into on that that I'll that I'll reference uh, at a few different points but in that um, he definitely discussed the fact that Boston is a real contender for Kevin Durant but think about it this way Chris if you can get Jason Tatum and Kevin Durant on the same team you have two of the best wings in the entire NBA on the same team. And two of the most explosive scores. Yeah. That score that score at a clip that you would think that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard would, or, you know, KD and Kyrie would when they were on the floor as well. I think Jason Tatum and Kevin Durant would do would do exactly what you thought Kyrie and KD would do. As great as they were when they were on the court. You can't, you're not going to question Jason Tatum's game or his commitment. And Kevin Durant is going to just make Jason Tatum that much better. So even when Kevin Durant goes off and he's retired, whenever that may be, Jason Tatum is 10 years behind Kevin Durant. He's still going to be playing. Mm -hmm. So the experience that Kevin Durant is going to get Jason Tatum, along with the experience that he already has with going to the Eastern Conference Finals and taking LeBron James to seven games in 2018, is just going to multiply from there. But the question really becomes for Boston, are you going to let market because market smart is the key. You'll trade Robert Williams. Mm -hmm. There's no problem. You'll trade Grant Williams. 
You'll trade Jalen Brown. You'll trade Derek White. You'll give up draft compensation. But the only reason, in my opinion, why the Boston Celtics did not want to do the trade is because they asked for Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart is the heart and soul of the Bar- Boston Celtics currently yeah. as is. They're, they're Draymond Green. It's their version of Draymond Green. And if he is not on the team, mm-hmm. I don't know how good the Celtics can be. And You lose substance. You, even yeah. if you do have Tatum and Kevin Durant. So there's so many different options. There's so many different things going around. And I, I, just, I just think that if Boston can pull it off, and if they are in the driver's seat, like you're saying, then, hey, that speaks well to the Kyrie market. Definitely, definitely. And just looking at it from the Brooklyn end, they want those picks and they want guys that they feel can still develop because as much as I like Jalen Brown, I'm a huge Jalen Brown fan. I am not sure you can build a winning team with Jalen Brown in that driver's seat. I I think he's a really good player. He's a solid two-way player, but to say that, oh, you know, we replaced Durant and we got Jalen Brown along with some of these other players – I don't know how far that team can go. I still think there's a ceiling there. So if I'm Sean Marks, I'm like, yeah, okay, this is the best that they can offer, no problem. But at the same point in time, it's like, does this put us in the best position to be successful? I think some of these other packages had guys that were young and still developing so that way one day they can become those elite stars. I think there is a shelf life to what you could accomplish with Jalen Brown in the top seat. That's a great question, but there's two things that I want to mention. Luke is not on the table. LeBron's not on the table. Jokic isn't on the table. Devin Booker's not even on the table. John Morant's not on the table. If none of these, Zion's not on the table. If none of these players are on the table and you want a young start, Donovan Mitchell's clearly not on the table because Utah's not coming off him for, you know, for much of anything. So it sounds like the New York Knicks are probably going to get Donovan Mitchell, but maybe not, but I don't think he's going to end up in Brooklyn unless it's in a three team trade. If none of these players are on the table and Jalen Brown, who is an all-star level player who has now has finals experience. Why would you not want him? And two, he's the best available. And do you think Brandon Ingram is better than Jalen Brown? I don't personally right now, but Brandon Ingram is the one that's going to be driving the bus to New Orleans. As great as Zion is, and as great as a complimentary PCJ is, that team isn't doing anything without Brandon Ingram. And Jalen Brown, to me, is better than B.I. right now. Not to That's not to throw any, throw any shade on B.I., but that's how good Jalen Brown is to me, especially with having finals experience. So yeah. I think if you can get Jalen Brown and pair him with somebody that's as good as Jason Tatum, if not just a little bit worse... Jalen Brown can drive the bus as long as you have a supporting cast that's defensively that uh, defensively sound. I still my think opinion. my only issue with that is the fact that if you have Jalen Brown, you might still be in the hunt for another star caliber player. That's the thing. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to, these next few weeks are going to be critical, Chaz. They are going to be critical. And I mean, we haven't even touched the Lakers stuff and we got a special guest coming up really soon, brother. Yeah, yeah, we're about to we're about to get into it. Um, but I just here's the thing, man. There's just so many things going on. It's not just the Lakers, and I know that's what we care about most as Laker fans and as Laker apologists. But you know, these guys are the rest of the league is coming. Yeah, and coming up, we have our special guest to help break down everything that's going on in Lakerland. Stick around, everybody. You know what? Here's to going for it and being terrible. 
you're still giving it a shot, even though your shot is uh, garbage. To being the queen of the court. Oh, maybe not this court. To feeling the burn, even if there shouldn't be a burn to feel. To trying your best, even though your swing is the worst. Here's to going down way harder than you get back up. Possibly one more ball. To giving it your all. Even though you kind of suck. But you know what doesn't suck? <laughs> Trying to do something you've never done before. That doesn't suck at all. Not even a little. Welcome back to the Outlet Forum podcast. In case you haven't already done so, be sure to download and follow all our podcasts on all major streaming platforms. We're on Spotify. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on Google Play. And of course, we're on Apple Podcasts. Leave us that five-star rating. Drop a comment. And let's get that dialogue started. You could also go to Nightcast Media, N-I-T-E-C-A-S-T media.com. Go to the Shows tab, click on the Outlet Forum, and that'll take you to our Apple Podcast page. So while we were talking about what's going down between Brooklyn and Boston, there's another major market team trying to make a big splash. And so far, if there was a movie to describe the Lakers offseason, whole lot of nothing. Uh, but to help break that down with us, a good friend of mine, great colleague and a fantastic writer, a Lakers beat writer the last few years with The Athletic, Jovan Buha. Jovan, thanks for joining us, my friend. Thank you for having me, man. How you doing? Yeah, bro. Dude, we're, we're doing great. We're just, we're waiting. I mean, you know, you know what it is? Twitter is like a thirst trap. Every day you go on there. <laughs> is there somebody breaking news? And there's been so many conflicting reports by some of the greats in the game. Obviously yourself included with Haynes and Woj and, and Shams and, and every day it's like, well, he's saying this, how's this over here? So we need somebody to help keep us straight. So I'm really glad you're on here with us to help uh, break all of this down. So just by that note, thank you for, for that aspect. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. I, I, I appreciate you putting me in that group. That, that means a lot. Thank you. Absolutely, man. Hey, we've both come a long ways to standing in line outside the new Clippers facility back in, during their media day in 2015. Remember that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. You guys go way back then. <laughs> yeah. I've known you Yvonne a minute. He, he was one of the first people to ever like say, what's up? How, how are you? And I was like, oh yeah, I know this guy. So without all that, with all the pleasantries, let's get down to it. So Yovan, the Lakers, they've been linked to Kyrie. They've been linked to Buddy Heald. We, uh, Russ may get moved. He may not get moved. Darvin Ham seems to want to keep him. Uh, all indications are that a lot of people in Lakerland want him gone, fans and players alike. So how long should Lakers wait to trade for Kyrie or Heald before it becomes detrimental to themselves? Well, I think it, with regard to Kyrie, uh, that is, is just so intertwined with the KD situation that it's really hard to separate those those two. And I think that the first domino is going to be KD. And, and does he want to stay in Brooklyn or do they end up flipping him at some point this offseason? And I think if Kyrie is traded, it will likely be as the second uh, move from Brooklyn after a KD, uh, or, you know, after there's clarity on KD rather. So I think that's really the first thing is we still don't have that KD clarity yet. It was looking like he might be leaning towards staying in Brooklyn, but now you have reports that Boston is talking to Brooklyn and, and Boston could probably come in and top just about any offer if, if they're willing to throw in a Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart and, and multiple picks. So I think really 
the, the league is kind of in a gridlock right now, uh, aside from maybe the Knicks and, and the Donovan Mitchell situation and kind of what they got going on over there. But everyone else is, is kind of in this waiting game uh, until Kevin Durant is either dealt or decides to stay. And then if he stays, it's like, does he trust and want Kyrie Irving as his running mate? And, you know, what's the status of that relationship? We haven't really heard a lot about that. Uh, I mean, all indications, you know, based on all the reporting just seems to kind of be like those two guys are sort of operating on their own islands where it, it's what's best for that player and not necessarily what's best for each other, which had been the way they've been operating the last two years. So it will be interesting to see kind of once the KD dust settles, how that affects Kyrie and then subsequently how that affects the Lakers uh, with the Buddy Heald and Miles Turner situation with, with Indiana. Uh, I think it really just comes down to a, a game of chicken and, and haggling over the picks. I think that the Lakers are ready to put one pick in and Indiana is asking for two. And I think both sides are, are right to be asking for what they're asking for. That's how negotiation goes. And we're going to see which team caves first. I, I do think in that negotiation, the Lakers are probably the more desperate team. Like Indiana is in this weird, you know, semi rebuilding, but, but also kind of mediocre mode. But I think they could go multiple ways with the guys on their roster. The Lakers are the team that like, you know, I think once training training camp is probably a soft deadline of like, if you haven't moved Russell Westbrook, then things could get really awkward depending on what he says to the media, what LeBron says to the media, you know, what type of pressure that puts on Darvin Ham. So I, I think, I guess the soft deadline is training camp, which, which is in, uh, you know, the last couple of days of uh, September, I think it's September 27th or 28th. Uh, but I think the, the, I actually think the longer the Lakers wait, the more leverage they have because I, I think the, the fewer days that are remaining on Russell Westbrook's contract, the more valuable his contract is. Like, I think the Lakers leverage at like, say the trade deadline will be higher than it is right now. The problem is you're then wasting 50 games of your season with Russell Westbrook on your roster. And at that point, you know, you might be a playing team. Uh, like, yeah, maybe you flip him and, and you get something, you know, that helps your roster, but I think the Lakers, if they do move on from Russ, which I expect they will at some point, they need a clean slate. It needs to be before training camp, before media day. And they really just need to enter next season with, with you know, it, just a, a new roster, new vibes, new energy. Uh, so I would say, I, I do think the longer they wait, it actually helps them. But I do think I, I'm looking at like training camp as that's when I think there's going to be more pressure. Yeah, everybody was talking about August 4th, the first day that LeBron could sign an extension with the Lakers as being kind of like a hard deadline. But it really is uh, that training camp uh, in a couple months out is where we are now. Uh, Yoman, what are you hearing as far as um, the deals actually being real? And is there anything that you're hearing that, you know, that hasn't come out yet that we think could possibly happen or that you personally think is happening. Maybe you don't, you're not reporting it, but it could be just your opinion as far as what makes sense, because I personally agree with the way that the Lakers have been playing it. I like the fact that they aren't putting two picks into the same deal um, unless it's with Kyrie. Cause I think personally Kyrie is going to, you know, net you uh, a greater return than what buddy healed and miles Turner will collectively, but you still, you're still going to need that kind of depth. What are you hearing as far as, you know, deals that might be actually be real and what do you think as far as what could potentially happen um as far as what you're hearing as well yeah so the the indiana stuff is is very real and that's been going on for a few weeks now and it's been several iterations of you know potentially a buddy heel deal where the lakers are moving uh say like taylor horton tucker and kendrick non and, and maybe a pick uh, or a protected pick for a buddy healed 
uh, and then, you know, other iterations where it is a, a bigger deal with Heald and Turner and, and you're sending out Westbrook. Uh, so the, the Indiana stuff is real and there's been different permutations of that. Um, depending on who you talk to, the, the Brooklyn stuff is, you know, kind of real, not very real. Um, you know, I, I think there, there's definitely been conversations, but I don't know how far those conversations have gone just because I, I think, you know, maybe a little bit of framework stuff, but really Brooklyn is like operating under, we're, we're trying to figure out KD first and, and we want to keep KD and we're doing everything we can to keep him. We are going to talk to people if, if they're going to make us offers, but really the K, again, the KD situation is the first thing that, that Brooklyn's, you know, kind of looking toward, uh, my, my colleague at the athletic Sham Sharania uh, reported you know, Utah as another potential destination for Russ. I think that makes a lot of sense with them rebuilding where, you know, do they send out, I don't know, Mike Conley and, and uh, Boyan Bogdanovich and, and, you know, the, the Lakers Russ in a pick for, for that. And, you know, again, not as, se- you know, not sexy like Kyrie Irving, but you are getting, um, you know, I, I think a, a comp, I mean, Mike Conley hasn't been great in Utah, so it's probably honestly a downgrade from Russ to Mike Conley, but I do think Bogdanovich would fit well in uh, the Lakers starting group around LeBron in AD. He's a shooter. Uh, he's a guy who could post up mismatches. Like, I think um, he, has, he did decline a little bit last season, so you're not getting maybe the version that, that you saw a couple years ago. But uh, I think for the Lakers, though, what you know, if they can't move Russ, uh, I wrote this. Uh, I think there's a possibility they just send him home. And I think that that, you know, and, and do the, what John Wall you know, did, uh, did in Houston, because I just think if, if you are getting, and there are really no indications that Russ is willing to change his game, but if you are getting last year's version of Russ, I think that's a detrimental player on both ends of the floor and a guy okay. who just doesn't fit with LeBron in AD. And, you know, he, he was statistically one of the worst defenders in the league. And then offensively clearly has those limitations as a shooter and someone who just, if he doesn't have the ball in his hands, he's basically just standing there. And, you know, he'll occasionally crash, crash uh, for the offensive you know, glass and stuff, but he's not cutting, he's not screening, he's not trying to get guys open off the ball. Like, he's just standing there. And that has always been one of the biggest issues with Russ and, and why he's always just been better with the ball in his hands. But you see, if, if he has the ball in his hands, you're probably going to be a first-round-and-out team. And, and that's kind of been the way that's gone since Kevin Durant left. So uh, I think for the Lakers, like, personally I'm of the mindset of I would give up both picks just because I think you have a short window with LeBron and AD and that's my last resort. I would fight off, you know, and try to you know go as long as I can. But if it comes to a week before training camp and the only way I could get a deal done is put two picks in, I personally would do that just because for who I think, exactly. Honestly, just right, like I, I, this, I, I think the, the, the Pacers deal is better than people are giving it credit for. I agree. Uh, I think Miles, I think miles Turner is Thank really you, underrated. Yohan. Thank, uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Uh, Thank you, Yovan, because I've been saying that for weeks, uh, uh, that the Lakers should be should be going after. I like the option. I don't know if it was you that floated this out there, but Heald and Eric Gordon, if you're able to land both of those guys, those are options three and four right there who, oh, let me think, actually can play off the ball. But are they worth yeah, two, I mean, p- two first, though? But go ahead, Yovan. Go, go, go ahead, Yovan. I'm oh, sorry. I, I had to I get just that think off of my what, chest. What, when you have a, a championship window, you, you know, and I think as long as you have LeBron AD, like right now, this is not a championship roster. I think that to me, this is like a six to nine seed in the West. I think the West is absolutely loaded and they got the Clippers coming back. The Nuggets coming back. You still got the Warriors. You still got the Grizzlies. The Suns kept DeAndre Ayton and, and we'll, we'll see what they end up doing. But you know, whether they keep DeAndre Ayton or they get Kevin Durant, like 
I think that the Suns are, are still going to be up there. Uh, you have Minnesota just got Rudy Gobert. I'm not as high on that as some people, but I still think at least in the regular season, they're, they're going to be a good, they're, they're to me going to be a good regular season team. That's not as good in the playoffs. Uh, and then even Dallas, like still has Luca who, who's coming into his own. And I think just Luca alone is worth 50 wins and uh, you know, potentially making the second round. So I just look at the West and I'm like, with, with the roster that the Lakers have, like they definitely have, in my opinion, the, the worst supporting cast of all those playoff contenders, like by far, like it, it's not even close to my opinion. So if they could get, uh, if they could flip rust into a miles, like I think miles Turner and buddy healed entering that starting lineup, you, you have miles Turner led the league in, in block shots last year. One of the better rim protectors in the league uh, stretch five uh, you could space the floor offensively. And then buddy healed is one of the best shooters, you know, pr- probably top 10 shooter in the league. So you put those two guys around LeBron and AD, figure out that fifth spot. I don't know. You, you go Kendrick Nunn, you go Austin Reeves and, and maybe go a little bit bigger, like, like the championship year. Like there are different ways you can kind of figure out the rotation. It's not perfect, but I think it's better than, than right now, because again, last year's version of Russ, unless he becomes a 36, 38% three point shooter, which he's never been just will never fit next to LeBron and AD. And maybe you bring him off the bench, maybe you make him your sixth man and kind of stagger the minutes, but good luck. Cause I don't see Russ going for that. So I, I'm of the mindset. I think you just got to get a deal done, get Russ, you know, somewhere else and, and move on. You're going to take an L on the deal. You know, it is going to end up being one of the worst superstar trades in, in NBA history, I think. But, you know, I think that's just, a, it's a sunk cost and you got to move on. Do you think that the Indiana Pacers would trade Buddy Heald and Miles Turner for Russ, one pick, Kendrick Nunn, and or THT. So that way the Lakers could possibly use another pick in a deal for Kyrie and be able to bring all three of Buddy Heald, Miles Turner, and Kyrie with LeBron and AD. Is that, do you think that is even remotely a possibility? Pro- I'm not sure, but I would say probably not. I think Taylor Horton Tucker is, is someone who has higher trade value for Laker, the Lakers and Laker fans than he does across the league. I think already he was kind of a polarizing guy where a lot of people raised their eyebrows at his contract last off season. And he had a really disappointing year last year. Like uh, I'm currently working on a Lakers depth chart and I don't have him in the 10 man rotation. And he's the fourth highest paid guy on the team. And like, I, I really think, you know, like I think Lon, you know, Lonnie Walker I'm not even that high on Lonnie Walker either, but I, he's I think a fit. He, he, he's a better fit. Uh, Troy Brown Jr. Uh, to me is a better fit. Uh, you know, was the second best shooter on this roster last season. Uh, Austin Reeves, you know, we, we saw what he could do uh, as a rotation guy. So like, I think Taylor Horton Tucker might be just completely out of the rotation. So I think there are people who will look at him and be like, Hey, he's 21 going to be 22. He's shown some flashes. He looks like an all-star in the preseason. I'm, I'm sure we'll see that again uh, in October, but I think he's a guy who, you know, maybe, maybe the Pacers are higher on him. You know, like Toronto has been one team that has, has been higher on him than a lot of other teams. And right. uh, if, if you remember that the Lakers had those talks with them about getting Kyle Lowry and, you know, at the 2021 trade deadline. They so did. maybe Toronto is one of those teams where like, if, you know, they could flip tail into to Toronto, but for the most part, I think the league is lower on him than, you know, the Lakers were and, and, you know, than his contract is. So, I don't even know if I view Talon as a positive asset, uh, to, to be honest. I think t- someone might take a gamble on him, but I don't think anyone's like, I'd rather have Talon than a first. Yeah. And, wow, and not I, even in the rotation. Yeah. I, I did not see that one coming, but it goes to show you though, his value took a hit last year. And I think the, the, the thumb injury really sunk him. 
And then him and Russ had terrible chemistry. I mean, they were basically two guys, one in the same. And I still think there are two things that he's got to work on off ball defense and off ball offense, basically becoming a good spot up three point shooter pace and space. That is today's NBA game. And if you're not adjusting to that, guess what? You're not going to last very long. Yovonne, I got one more for, for you. How did Russ get here? Five years ago, this guy is an MVP. Now you can't trade him for a new kitchen sink. I mean, a kitchen sinks are worth what, about a good one is worth about 700 bucks. Believe me, I just had one installed. Like, how did it get to this point where a former MVP, an all-star, an Olympian, a future Hall of Famer cannot get moved at all? And you could say it's a contract, but is there something deeper in your opinion? When did it get this detrimental and this toxic? I think would be the best word to describe it at this point about Russell Westbrook's game and how the league perceives him. Yeah, I think, it, I mean, definitely it took a giant leap, I think, last season. And, you know, because I think Russ, Russ has kind of always been this polarizing figure. And as I wrote uh, last week in, in my column on him, I think there's a lot of shades of Allen Iverson and the way that Allen Iverson's career ended where, mm. you, know, uh, you know, both guys, very exciting, uh, very, you know, very, these athletic, Iverson was obviously smaller, but he's athletic point guards who like kind of played like shooting guards, but, but were technically point guards and they had this fearlessness and, and this sort of this bravado and, and just this attitude to their game that made them very polarizing, but also made them, you know, to the people that like them, you know, I, Iverson fans love Iverson. Russ fans love, I mean, I've had it in my mentions, like oh, Russ yeah. fans coming after me. Uh, like they are so passionate about, he's just one of those guys who, who's very polarizing. So I think, you know, even to this day, I mean, you'll, you'll see like a lot of people will criticize, you know, retroactively criticize the MVP. And, and, you know, I've, I've seen stories of like ranking the MVP seasons and like Russ is always kind of like bottom three, you know, top 25 or the, ranking the last 25 MVPs and Russ is like bottom, bottom three, bottom two. And it's just because he's such a polarizing guy where even when, you know, his best season ever, people still kind of criticize and, and nitpick certain things. So I think what it really is, is he's, I mean, and, and I think we, we've seen this now because he, he's had like, he's played on some pretty good teams. He's had some pretty, like you can go to, through the list. I mean, James Harden and, and Katie, th those guys weren't what they would ultimately become yet, but you know, Katie, he was basically in, in there with Katie's in, in his prime, uh, Paul George, J you know, James Harden again in Houston, Bradley Beal, now LeBron in AD. Like he's never really, you know, aside from the one year, what, when Katie left, he's always had a superstar. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah aside the from the, the MVP year, he's always had, you know, basically since he's been in his prime, he's always had another at least all-star teammate, if not like an all NBA top 10 type guy. So I think that the problem has always been, he just kind of struggles to not have the ball. Like he's always kind of needs the ball to be effective and, and he needs to run the show. And, um, you know, you saw Houston go to great lengths of trading away Clint Capella and basically playing the first, you know, basketball we've seen where like the tallest guy on the court was like six, 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 seven. Yeah. Like, you know, we've seen small ball, but this was completely, we have no centers on the roster. Antony doubled Tyson, down. He had no choice. I think Dan yeah. Tyson Chandler Dan was the one guy, right? But it, yeah. but it was like, uh, you know, Russ was basically the, the offensive center uh, on that team. And it was, you know, dunker he's set screens, he's dunker spot operate around the key. And like, that was the way they used him. So I, I just think Ru Russ is someone who, you know, never developed a shot, never really changed the way he played. And as you age, like he's not as athletic as he used to be. He's still in the top 1% of athletes in, in the NBA. Like he's still a freak, 
but he's, you know, you don't longer see, like go watch some old Russ highlights in OKC. And you, it's not the same it's guy. not what it is now. No, Lakers. not even he, close. Even go back and watch his Washington highlights from two years ago. That wasn't the guy we saw last season. No. And, you know, I think the one game that Russ kind of looked like himself last year, he had some flashes. He had some moments. He, I mean, he wasn't as bad as people made him out to be, but he also didn't carry, you know, Russ was brought into when, when LeBron or AD is out, he's going to step up and, and be that second guy or, or be the lead guy and, and help the Lakers win games. They were 20 and 32 last year in games that LeBron or AD missed that Russ played in 20 and 32 is awful, right? Like under 500. I mean, basically on par with, with their 33 and 49 record. But to me, like Russ just was never able to carry that load. The one game to me, he looked the best was at Charlotte, no LeBron, no AD. He had like 37 points or something. They still lost the game. They still so lost. They, I was just about to say they that. Win. <laughs> they didn't win. But story, story that, was season, like, yeah. that was Russ on hinge. And it's Russ has right. the ball. He's running pick and rolls. He's getting out in transition. He's taking it coast to coast. And like, that was as comfortable as he looked. And why did he look so comfortable? Because there was no LeBron or AD and he didn't have to share the ball. And, and no expectations, just, by the way. And no uh, expectations. So like, yeah. I just think he's one of those guys that is going to be happy in Orlando or, you know, pick your random Eastern conference team, be a seven seed average, a triple double. And like, that's kind of it. He's not, you know, he, he's not this guy that wants to be a Ray Allen, a Chris Bosch, a Kevin love who will come be the third star, sacrifice their numbers and adjust their game and really their glory but in, in the name of winning a championship, like he just did not do that last year or just uh, keeping and, your career alive. And it's being reported yeah. by Mark Stein that he's going to get, if he does get traded, that he's indeed going to be bought out and for, for him to do that. And I believe this is part of the reason why he, he separated with his agent is because that's, that's going to diminish his value even more. And everything that you've said, Yovan, along with what you said, Chris, that doesn't even factor into his exit interview and what he said in that interview as well. There's two people that cannot be on the same roster, and that's Kyrie for what he did with the Nets and Russell Westbrook for what he said in that exit interview, along with everything else that you guys have said as well. Yeah, I thought that that exit interview was just so cringeworthy, and, and he threw everybody else under the bus. And again, the, the, one, the one way he took accountability was, you know, so, someone asked him about how he judges his season and kind of his own performance, and he's like, oh, well, I'm as critical of myself as anybody and, you know, kind of lip service there. But, but then he went into, it's like, yeah, I mean, I didn't average a triple double last year. So, you know, or I mean, I didn't or this year. So yeah, by my standard, it wasn't a good season. And I was just like, if that's your measure of a good season, not your 33 and 49 record, not you guys missing the playing tournament, uh, you know, not your 20 and 32 record when LeBron or AD is out. Like, I don't know what, you know, you're looking at, but, but, it was always with him to, to me more about his performance versus the team performance. And I think you even saw that after losses where uh, you know, th there were certain losses where he would come talk to us and he was in a chipper mood and, and he wasn't really yeah. bothered, but if he had a bad game and, and he had nine turnovers and we were asking him about that, then he was defensive. Then he was upset. Uh, even in wins, you know, yeah. even, you know, bad performances and wins, he'd still be confrontational with the media. So really Russ's mood, at least with us, was determined much more by his performance than the team performance. And I think that's all you needed to know. Like there are just some guys who I think care more about their numbers. And there's really little indication that Russ is one of those guys that cares, that doesn't care about his numbers like that. So yeah. until that changes, I think he's going to be in this kind of purgatory where, you know, none of the good teams really want him. And then the rebuilding teams are all kind of, you know, 
what you know he's gonna help them win 40 games and and you know make the play in like they don't want too that expensive either. no it, exactly I, I honestly be out of the league if if he's bought out like, he, you, you, you said this chris you said he was on this precipice yeah exactly he's on this precipice and and you made the comparison to Allen iverson i think a more recent and relevant one is carmelo anthony because carmelo we also saw was not willing to change his game and be more off the ball, willing to come off the bench, willing to commit defensively or to rebounding. And Russ is headed into that same direction now where it's these guys' ego, their stubbornness, their pride, their lack of accountability, and it's everyone else's fault before it's my fault. That's going to that's gonna not resonate with anybody. And I think that's another reason why his value has taken that hit. So I think we could leave this interview knowing two things. Russ's career is hanging in the balance and he should not be a Laker. And there's something to be said about fit and guys buying into their respective roles, because honestly, Yovan, that was the underlying theme of why the Lakers were so successful in 2020 LeBron AD revolving door of a third guy. One night it's Kuzma one night. It's Danny green one night. It's somebody else. And what happened? Even when LeBron and AD sat, they were still blowing out teams like Dallas and Oklahoma City. Where was that with Russ? We haven't seen that. Anyway, just wanted to end on that note, man. Yeah, I mean, I think to your point, we've seen now, we have a sample size of, of the last 10 years or so where to win a championship, I think you need one of two things. You either need two stars and good depth, or you need three stars that fit together really well. And if you're the Warriors, four stars, five stars, however many stars you want to count. But uh so I think for the Lakers, the formula of the 2019-20 team was you had two stars who were at that time top five players. Then you had all these complementary guys who fit together. You had solid depth. You know, they had a really good bench unit. Uh, but then you've also seen in, in recent history, you know, you had the Heatles, you had the Cleveland LeBron teams. Like those teams weren't as deep, went, you know, six, seven, eight deep, but their three stars all fit, you know, complemented each other really well. Two of them were elite shooters and Kyrie and Kevin Love. Similar thing with the Warriors, though. Some years they had more depth, some years they didn't, but they always had that star power. With the Lakers, I think they were of the belief, if we flip our, our depth into a third star, you know, that, that's the way to kind of you know, close that gap between us and, and maybe some of the contenders. Also protects us if LeBron or AD isn't healthy, but they just chose the wrong star. And, and you know, Russ just... I think if you're looking at all the guys we would consider stars across the NBA, Russ is probably the worst fit next to LeBron and AD. I mean, maybe Ben Simmons, because he's not even playing and right. he can't shoot, but he at least is an elite defender when healthy and has some size. Like Russ is, is a glaring minus on defense. So I, I just think for the Lakers, and that's where to me, it, it might be worth giving up a couple of picks and maybe see if, you know, if you're talking Indiana, get a third guy, right? Like get a third rotation guy. Uh, and maybe make it like that you know, Russ tail in. And if you have to give up the two picks, give up the two picks, but then get three guys back from Indiana and just rebuild your depth. Because I think right now the Lakers are, they don't have a third star and they don't have depth and you're not going to win that way. So it's September 15th, a week before training camp, presumably, presumably. And the Lakers have not gotten Kyrie and they haven't pulled the trigger on buddy healed. You want, you would rather them give up the two picks in Indy or in Brooklyn. Brooklyn, Brooklyn. I mean, Kyrie for sure. I think Kyrie, um, you know, especially depending on who that second guy is, if you can get Joe Harris, Seth Curry, Royce O'Neal, I think any of those three guys would immediately step in and be their fourth best player uh, behind their big three. Uh, but I think 
in like the Indiana deal, I think you, you get better depth, but I don't think it recoups enough depth where like, you know, if you're getting like four guys back, then maybe I, that to me would be a little bit closer where it's like, okay, you know, you're, you're going to have a, a pretty deep team if you do this Indiana deal. But to me, Kyrie, one healthy is a top 15 guy. Uh, and, you know, offensively might even be like a top seven guy. So I think, you know, that, that is the way I would lean, but to me, it's, you know, uh, to, to what Chris was saying, like, I just don't think you could bring Russ back, whether that's trading him or whether that's sending him home and just say, Hey, collect your 47 million and stay home. Like, I think if Russ is starting training camp for the Lakers, they are a playing team and they do not have a lot of hope next season until they move him. But even then, I think it's a mistake to enter the season with that distraction and with all the negative stuff that's going to come with that. Okay. <laughs> well said, Jovan. Thank you so much for, for joining us. The great Jovan Buha of The Athletic. Be sure to check out all of his stuff, everything that is Lakers. Jovan, anything else you'd like to plug? No, just uh, follow me on social at Jovan Buha and check me out on The Athletic. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. Absolute pleasure, man. It's been too long Thanks since again, you and man. I, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's been too long since you and I got on the same pod and, uh, I know, I know me and Chaz were both, uh, definitely excited to have you on. I know it's been a kind of a crazy time, but we appreciate the analysis and the breakdown and uh, keep doing what you're doing, man. Yeah. If we don't talk again, man, keep killing it and, uh, have a great season and Hey man, more blessings. You guys too. All right. Have a good one. Thanks. Thanks. Jovan. Good stuff, man. That was, that was, Hey, he, clear, he, he cleared up quite a bit. He did. He cleared up quite quite a bit, guys. I know you guys were hanging on his and he he gave you more than probably what you asked for. I, I that, the most interesting thing that I heard in that, and I didn't get to follow up because I was so focused on um, so many other different aspects of this. He said Mike Conley and Boyan Bogdanovich. I don't hate that. I don't hate it either, actually. If Conley's healthy, he could be serviceable. I just Mike think Con Mike Conley and LeBron and AD. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you're, best. and you're off Russ's contract and you got Bogdanovich, a shooter, a, a pure knockdown shooter. Yeah. And we're talking Lakers might have plan B and C. Yeah, exactly. I, I am, I am not opposed to that. And Russ could go hang out in Utah. And if they get rid of Mitchell, they're going to need somebody there to sell some seats over there in Salt Lake. You know, Russ obviously ain't the spider, but you know, he, he could do for, for one year, but we'll see what happens, man. It's no doubt. And there's, so, there's so much going on in different parts of not only the NBA, um, but there was also another huge story that dropped uh, this week and um, basketball related, but WNBA related um, Liz Cambridge of the Los Angeles Sparks mm -hmm. is now divorced. They got, mm -hmm. she got a contract divorced. Um, and this isn't the first time, this may be the first time that some of you have heard it, yeah. but this isn't the first time that it's been done within the WNBA. Um, I hate to see it, man. She just straight up quit on the sparks. And I, that was a bombshell. I got it. A, I, I was scrolling through that. I'm like, wait a minute, is this legitimate? Because this did not come from a regular WNBA beat writer, but a formal announcement was made on Tuesday that Cam Beige and the Sparks agreed to part ways that it's a contract divorce. She had just come back from the team, you know, from COVID and out there trying to get back into a rhythm and whatnot. I mean, the Sparks are a sub 500 team. They're trying to get into the playoffs. And this was something that I think came as a little bit of a surprise. Now we still don't know the exact reasoning. I think even their interim coach, Fred Williams, he was sort of caught off guard with that, but it's almost, there was no sort of like remorse or shock or anything like that. It's just sort of like, Hey, this is what it is. And 
at this point, we, we still have, you know, nine, 10 games left. So, so we could try to get into the playoffs. So, you know what? Good riddance at this point, one less distraction. Now we could just focus with the nine, 10 players that we have. You know what I think? I think that that stuff with what she said, was it in the Olympics? Yeah. With go back to Af- uh, with go. Yeah. Look, I, this is just my personal opinion. I have no sources. Right. Now let me just, Sorry to cut you off. I just wanted to say, so, so <laughs> no, no, you, you, you were on the right track. So it was, it was a practice. So she, so Liz is Australian. She's half Australian, half Nigerian, but she grew up in Australia. You, if you ever heard her talk, she's got a, an Australian accent. So she, they were scrimmaging with the Nigerian women's national team. And she was calling them basically, I think she used the term monkeys in, in reference to the Nigerian players, go back to a third world country is what she said. And th- this, this was according to reports. Now that got cleaned up. Neko Gumake addressed it, who, by the way, is Nigerian, her and her sister. That's what Shanae, say. Yeah, they, they are of Nigerian descent. And I believe their sister, Erica, plays for that Nigerian, the national mm-hmm. team. So yes, that got cleaned up. I just think there were other issues there. She's, she's admitted when she was on the shop before Chaz that she's battled mental illness. She's had some physical issues as well, injuries. I, I honestly just think it could have been something internally with the team, but also I, I honestly believe she came to LA for other things besides basketball, modeling career, media career, something in that aspect, fashion, who knows? So I think right now she probably feels like I'm here in LA the team's not going anywhere. I'm not really happy with the team, but I, I want to focus on some other things. So there's going to be more that I'm sure that's attached to this story, but it made sense for the organization to move on from her because guess what? The guy who signed her in the first place, Derek Fisher, got fired um, months ago. So um, there you go. So you don't really have any allegiance to her at this point. Why not get rid of her? at this point or her decided, you know, I don't know if this was mutual or what, but I know what people were thinking, a contract divorce. How do the Lakers do do that with Russ? <laughs> yeah, man. It just is by sending him home. Like Jovan said, that's a contract divorce. Like, Hey, look, we still going to pay you, but don't show up. You ain't got to go home, but you got to get out of, out of here. Good stuff, man. I just, I just don't, I don't see how that was going to work out between you saying what you said and the leader of the team also being Nigerian and obviously it not you not working out and the person that brought you in not being there. It was, if you read the, the writing on the wall, mm-hmm. it was going to happen, whether it be before the end of the season or in the off season, there was no way she was going to probably come back for another year, whether she was contract contractually ob- obligated to do so or not. So, yeah, I mean, and, and I just want to say, I just want to say one, one more thing on that. What's so ironic is that since the sparks decided to, since Derek Fisher and, and whoever, whoever the higher ups are, Eric Holloman, I know is the managing partner since they decided a few years ago to let Candace Parker and Chelsea gray walk, the organization has just been in a downward spiral since. And what's so funny is that, or so ironic, all Chelsea Gray and Candace Parker have done with their respective teams is win. Candace Parker won a championship in her first year with Chicago. And they, they've got, exactly. And they've got the number one, number two record in the WNBA. Chelsea Gray has been fantastic with the Las Vegas Aces. She's, she's a part of the second best team in, or the, you know, I mean, they've kind of been flip-flopping in the standings, but yeah. you let those two walk. You haven't had a clear direction since then. And now here we are. Here, here, here we are. And 
those, those two players are having success among others and the sparks are in turmoil, not knowing what their next move is. So it just goes to show you sometimes if you're going to move on from star players, you better have a plan as far as culture, as far as personnel and make it happen. And the sparks just haven't done that. And it's really sad for one of the WN NBA's, you know, prestige franchises. Yeah. Yeah. It's Ed. I went to one sparks game and they got killed by the Candace Parker and the Chicago sky. She actually had a triple double that night. Candace did. So, I mean, I, I hope the Sparks can get it together, but clearly they need to build around NECA, in my opinion. More basketball news as we move along really quick. I just want to shout out Phil Handy. Um, it's being reported by Mark Spears of ESPN uh, that Phil Handy has agreed to a contract extension with the Los Angeles Lakers as of last week. Uh, Phil Handy only had one year left on his deal, uh, which would be, uh, I believe, the last year of Vogel's contract, which is um, you know, he got fired, obviously, and they excited, uh, were excited to extend Phil Handy. So shout out to at 94 feet a game on IG and Twitter, the man Phil Handy himself, who's going to be a, a head coach in this league one day. Um, hopefully it's with the Lakers at some point, because that's how much I love the guy and how much he's a player's coach as well. And Kawhi and LeBron and KD and everybody swears by him. So um, yeah. him along with Darvin Ham. Um, along with not anymore, uh, ah. Rashid Wallace. Rashid, Rashid Wallace report, ah. reportedly is not going to be joining uh, the Los Angeles Lakers staff. Um, Chris, what, what do you make of these moves with Phil Handy staying on and Rashid Wallace not coming on to the Lakers staff um, as it's rounding out and uh, six to eight weeks away from training camp really quick? The epitome of good news and bad news, man. Phil Handy has become one of the more respected assistants in the game. You mentioned it. LeBron and AD love him. Clearly, Darvin Ham, who didn't need to hold on to him, but decided to, knowing his impact on these players, on this organization, and really throughout the league. And that's just not that's not very easily replaceable. As far as she not coming, uh, coming around, I think that's disappointing as well. So I don't know if he's just going to take a year off. I don't know if, uh, you know, he, he's not ready to do a... 82 game season plus playoffs that that sort of grind, but I think he would have a positive impact, but yeah, definitely disappointed about Sheed and uh, definitely happy for, uh, for Phil handy. And I agree. Uh, how many of those years is he actually going to do? Because he could definitely be ready for a, a head coaching position real soon. Yeah. And really quick. Uh, I, I wanted to give you guys an update. We didn't ask about Donovan Mitchell with Yovan, but um, it sounds like the New York Knicks are being rebuffed. Uh, four six round picks four for six first round picks um, so that way they can get Donovan Mitchell and it sounds like that's too steep of a price um, so there's there's I'd not a so. lot of move there's a lot of not a not a lot of movement on that front either um, obviously we already know that there's a few uh, signings that have happened here or there but nothing is really going to move or shake until Katie gets moved first then it'll be Kyrie then it'll be probably Donovan Mitchell Don Donovan Mitchell's might be the only trade that might happen outside of the Katie and Kyrie trade um, because you got to think that Russ is going to be dealt in some fashion um, as it comes down the pipe. Um, with that being said, so much NBA news. We got to lighten it up. Social media time, baby. Chris, you know, it. I got lead us off, man. There's so much fire out there. Um, there's a bunch of stuff from Josiah that I saw. He's been on fire. Um, <laughs> a bunch of stuff from Lake show. Yo, um, but that's not who I chose for my social media post of the week. Chris, I'll let you lead it off first. What is your social media post of the week, my man? Oh, man, this just came in. So, you know, it's NFL training camp happening this week. 
And this came from the NFL on ESPN at ESPN NFL. The reigning MVP showed up as Nick Cage and Con Air. <laughs> and it's the crying <laughs> laughing emoji at Aaron Rodgers uh, 12. And the picture was taken at the Packers. So uh, if anyone's ever seen the movie Con Air, Nicolas Cage with the awful Alabama Southern accent uh, was walking around that movie with a, with a white beater tucked into jeans with the long hair and the scruffy beard. That is exactly how Aaron Rodgers <laughs> walked into the Packers training camp. And it, it was, I, I mean, seriously, he could have been Cage's stunt double. I know everyone thinks Con Air is one of the worst movies ever. It's actually one of my favorites. Uh, because it's just one of those movies where it's, it's like empty calories. You just, you know, it's not good for you, but you can't, you just can't look away. You can't turn it down. So yeah, I, I just thought that was, that was really good. Hey, exactly. you're my, you're my hummingbird. <laughs> good stuff, man. Um, uh, what was I'm, yours? My, mine comes from somebody I haven't chosen um, at Barry on here. Um, look, it, it's something that I don't like to give Skip Bayless a lot of shine, but I thought this tweet was hilarious. He said, LeBron never responding to Skip Bayless directly for 20 years is his most impressive accomplishment. And I'm not joking. Like that's, <laughs> that was the funniest thing that I saw because Skip Bayless is going at everybody. And for LeBron, especially LeBron, for him not to respond and for him not to say anything and level up skip bayless the way kevin durant like kevin durant's been responding to everybody um but for lebron to never do that especially when he has had reason to do so uh was pretty hilarious to me um that is my personal social media post of the week and i wanted to i wanted to give barry uh some shine on here because i haven't picked one of his tweets even though he's absolutely hilarious so um that's my social media post of the week um shout out to yovan shout out to you laker fans sticking with us and trying to figure out if the Lakers are going to get uh, Kyrie or Buddy Heald or Miles Turner or not. Um, one name that we didn't mention as well, Eric Gordon, um, maybe we mentioned him a little bit, but he's possibly, um, you know, could be on the trade market to come to LA, been linked to LA um, in several stories for several weeks now. So um, you guys know where to get at me on Instagram at Chaz Pearson and on Twitter at Chaz P. Chris, where can they follow you, my man? Well, uh, first of all, you could at me at the Eric Gordon fan club because I did uh, oh. I did mention I did mention him briefly. We didn't expand on it, but I did I did uh, I did say that him and healed as plan B or C options would be fantastic. So yes, at the Eric Gordon fan club, uh, there's going to be only one post and one follower, and that is me. Uh, <laughs> but in, <laughs> in other news, you could also follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Camelo. Instagram, C Camello one and Facebook Camello's corner by Chris Camello. Also follow uh, our IG and Twitter at the outlet forum. That's at the outlet forum and our website, nightcastmedia.com. Boom. Well, you guys know what it is. We got some more heat and we got more news as it comes day by day as the NBA offseason continues to roll. Stick with us here on the outlet forum. Clearly, we got you guys covered and we'll keep it rolling until next week, guys. Peace.